So Many Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and as always, joining me from Toronto, Ontario, is Cliff Murphy. Cliff, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, Bill. How are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. This week, we get to the end of the long and winding road of Earthbound. Yeah, been a long time coming, but we set the goal. We were going to play through Earthbound in its entirety, and we did it. We made it to the end. We did. I didn't know that we were going to make it there for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me neither. But knowing that I can get through this frivolous video game and see it through to the end and then talk about it on the internet, it gives me no additional hope or optimism that I can extend that to other more important aspects of my life. Yeah, it's not really a set of skills that's applicable in any other location. No, not at all, unfortunately. <laughs> As a quick reminder, So Many Bits is brought to you in part by the Second Wind Collective. For more quality podcasts like this one, please visit secondwindcollective.com for details. Now, before we get to that, though, we haven't recorded in a few weeks now, so I feel like we've had an opportunity to play a few games. I mean, we probably don't have to talk about all of them this second, but let, you know, let's get an idea of what we've been playing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's been a little while. I've played a few more things. First off, I bought the uh, Jackbox Party Pack. I haven't had a chance to play any of the multiplayer games except for You Don't Know Jack. But I like You Don't Know Jack, and I love the fact that you can connect to it through your phone. I think that the interface that they made for the Jackbox.tv site is just phenomenally easy to use. And I'm looking forward to being able to actually play some of those games with some other people when we can connect our phones. I think it's it's just it's awesome. It was a great innovation to get the phones and mobile devices involved. It makes it a lot easier to get everyone on the same page rather than trying to get people into the idea of using like a video game controller or having everyone, you know, like around the PlayStation or Xbox or stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's super, super easy to do. So I like that. How about you? Well, I played some drawful from the Jackbox Party Pack over the holidays. I played some Pandemic Legacy. Oh, you played Pandemic Legacy, eh? That has, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Pandemic Legacy is a new version of the Pandemic board game, but the legacy in the title essentially implies that you'll be playing multiple rounds of the game, but things that you do in previous games can affect your future games that you play, and the developers also include a bunch of extra boxes for new pieces and things that you can use in later games as well apparently according to pretty much anybody on the internet it is top notch it was really good we had a really good time playing it i'd played risk legacy before and had a lot of fun doing that but i've never played pandemic up until now it was four of us playing three of us had never played pandemic and one was like a pandemic veteran right and so i didn't understand for context there's uh these epidemic cards and basically at certain points in the game you flip over cards from a deck and certain cities get infected mm -hmm. but then there are epidemic cards which cause every city with an infection going on to to ramp up further mm -hmm. yeah if you have a lot of disease in one city the disease can spread to the adjacent cities as well yes that's right you'll have an outbreak yeah and so it spreads to all the adjacent cities and pretty quickly the outbreaks will overwhelm you because your one of your many objectives is to limit the number of outbreaks that happen during the game mm -hmm. if you have too many occur then you lose yeah mm -hmm. there's lots of different ways to lose in that game oh yes we discovered many of them we <laughs> lost the first four games we played i think wow i was told afterward that we had five epidemic cards in the deck 
which is supposed to be like the insanity difficulty pretty much. I didn't realize that beforehand. That is crazy difficult. Normally if I'm teaching the game to students, I'll put in like three and the game is like put in at least four and i'm like no way i'm putting in three because they get out of hand pretty fast oh yeah and, and we definitely got our butts kicked and for sure like that was what they that, that's how they instructed you to start out the game but i guess maybe if you're really lucky or you're really good at pandemic you might be able to weather that early on but i don't see how otherwise and yeah we we didn't get too far into it we, it's a based in months you play mm -hmm. up to two games per month and we got to the end of february before we had to stop for everyone flying back to their respective <laughs> new places they live now instead of our hometown of amherst right but yeah i'm hoping that we can play it again similar to how you can play it uh, the jackbox games with your mobile devices i'm kind of hoping we can jury rig a solution where we can play with like a webcam and do like a google hangout to make that work yeah you might be able to do that it might be tough because you got to recreate all the pieces everywhere and like the cards that come up and everything like that but it's i maybe <laughs> we're willing to try one of our friends chris he's a he's a big gamer and his kind of thing is that he's always looking for unique ways to play games and kind of interact with them mm -hmm. like uh for mm -hmm. him you know the Four Swords Adventure game that came out a while back? Yeah, I played Four Swords Adventure. So that's kind of like a four-player version of Zelda A Link to the Past. Mm -hmm. So he wanted to play. Normally you have to play, like, I think, with like four Game Boy Advances and four extension cables to connect to the GameCube. But he tried to emulate it all through his computer. Oh my god. And we technically got it to work, except it ran at like 10 frames a second and was a molasses nightmare. So we gave up pretty quickly, but <laughs> I admired his interest in trying. Sure, absolutely. If you can ever find an opportunity to sit down with a GameCube and Game Boy Advances, which is so, so I don't even know who's got four Game Boy Advances and a GameCube, and not to mention Game Boy Advance GameCube link cables as well, but let's imagine you go back to 2004 and you have all of that equipment then it's okay. it's it's nice. It's a good experience. I feel like the link cables would be the hard part of that equation. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I imagine you could get, a, at the very least, a GameCube and four Game Boy Advances, if you don't care what kind they are, for like $100 total. Yeah, oh, yeah. well, I guess you probably could. I guess there isn't really a market for Game Boy Advances too much more. Although they, you know, my Game Boy Advance still works pretty well, so... I mean, you could always borrow mine. <laughs> you know, the the L trigger in mine blew out, and I gave up on it. Mm. So, yeah, maybe I could take you up on that or get, like, a, the DS Lite I always appreciated because it, I like the, the aesthetics of it, and it played Game Boy Advance games. So, you know, either of those. I, I'll put it on my Amazon wish list, and if you just want to ship it out to me sometime, that'd be great. Oh, okay. Yeah, no problem. What else has been happening? I played, uh, I've been playing Papers, Please, and uh, Papers, Please is great. I'm having an awesome time with it. Essentially, you work at a border crossing point between, like, these two countries who are just in the middle of a big war and uh, these two, like, communist countries. It's all fake. And you're basically controlling entry of people into the country at this specific point. But people show up and give you their paperwork, like their passports, and you have to try and compare the information on it to other information that they give you to see if there are any discrepancies and whether or not to let them in or not. And it sounds boring, but it's actually super fun, and it's a fun sort of uh, puzzle game that you're kind of playing there. And it very quickly, like, accelerates in, difficult initially, in difficulty. Initially, people are just giving you, like, their passport or something like that. But then later on, they're giving you their passport. 
and their visitor's permit and their work permit and like additional identification and then something doesn't match and you got to fingerprint them and put them through the body scanner and you got to do a bunch of other things and while you're all trying to do this some people are trying to like slip in or there's like a resistance movement that can happen as well and you can choose to let people in and that sort of stuff and it's it's great <laughs> it's great ultimately pretty depressing but great great fun at the same time yeah it's a very immersive experience taking what would be this incredibly mundane activity and through the context of this highly pressurized political situation in a fictional Cold War era country and people trying to escape across the border and totalitarian regimes, it really adds a lot to the mix and makes it this really intense, interesting game. I, I played it a bit. I, got, I couldn't do very well at keeping up with the... Uh, passport stuff my family would end up going you know becoming sick or malnourished because i couldn't make enough money every yeah. day there was uh yeah i had that same problem i think that's part of the game is that you're always supposed to be struggling um and there's other things that you can do like one guard says if you detain more people i'll give you a cut of the profits that i get from that even though you're not really supposed to be doing that for people that don't need it, right? So you're, you know, balancing this sort of stuff. There was one time when one person from the, like, resistance operation slipped me, like, $1,000. And I saw that, and I was like, perfect. My problems are over. Now I can focus on the real work, the passports. And so, like, at the end of the day, I bought, like, all the medicine that I needed, all the food, everything like that. It was like, you can upgrade to a bigger apartment. I was like, done, easy, right? And then the next day, it was like, your neighbors got suspicious of your newfound wealth and all of your money was confiscated. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, okay. And then the new apartment that I had was more expensive. Like the rent was more expensive and the heat was more expensive, but it was like, you can downgrade back to your old apartment. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> oh my God. So that was, that was funny and alarming and disappointing all at the same time. Definitely a lot going on there. Yeah, that sounds, mm -hmm. that is, I did not encounter that storyline event so that's really interesting to me yeah it was uh it was pretty rough uh what else what else have you played bill well i did something interesting just uh today in fact before we began recording there's this thing that they do in chicago with magic called the chicago magic league oh okay and it's in chicago and they play magic is it and some it's a sort league of, league? of sorts <laughs> okay yeah no that's it's good you're on the same wavelength oh, okay me. good yeah you know we, we've played magic together in the past but rather than being a booster draft or a sealed deck event, they take an entire booster box, so 36 booster packs, they open them all up at once, they lay them all out on a table, and then in turn, everyone involved goes around and picks one card at a time. Wow. Yeah, that's a, it's a lot to process, it's a lot to keep track of, but being into magic like that and trying to keep all those mental balls in the air, that that's... I really thrive on that. Oh my god, I can't even imagine. Like, I like magic, but I'm not... Like, I don't even understand the game well enough to be able to do anything like that. It's, you know, supposed to be an analog to a fantasy football draft, but I think <laughs> the the disconnect there is that in fantasy football, there's a lot of information out there on pick orders mm -hmm. and, like, what guys are doing what and news on if a guy's got, like, a hurt leg or if he's going to be a starter this year. Mm -hmm. So people, when even if you don't know anything about fantasy football coming into a draft... There's a pretty good amount of information there already for you, even like in the draft clients, they'll put it all in. Mm -hmm. Here, there wasn't anything like that. Everyone had like either like clipboards or binders of info. I, I had like an iPad where I just had a couple pages of like 
card art, so I remembered like what cards I was looking for, and it was it was stressful. It lasted like two and a half hours, though I did have a lot of fun doing it. And now we have to play, which is actually a bit less fun than the actual drafting, but still fun. <laughs> that is. Uh... That's a funny trend that you see there. The actual development of everything is more fun than actually playing the game itself. I uh, I read something that said that with board games, the like most excitement that you have with a board game is when you're opening it and like putting it all together. And I totally get that. Like I get the game and I'm like, ooh, and I'm looking at all the components and like, oh, this is neat. How does this work? Oh, cool. And this is how you play the game. Oh, this will be neat. Oh, I look forward to playing it. And then I never play it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh so i i can appreciate that what that's yeah mostly what i've been doing is i did that stuff over the holidays and i had this going on when i came back uh that's most of the games i've played cool we were talking earlier uh one other thing that i just did is uh yesterday i oh actually no there's a couple other things but i'll sorry i'll keep going on what i was saying basically i'm just getting distracted um so yesterday i played for the first time agricola as well, which is a uh, uh, another board game, which is consistently ranked pretty high on uh, board game websites. I had previously tried to learn how to play Agricola. I had very, like, overconfidently, I had gone out to a board game cafe with actually a mutual friend of ours. I went out with uh, Brayden a few years oh. ago. And uh, we sat down at this cafe and we saw Agricola and we were like, hey, let's try and learn how to play Agricola because it's, it's super, like, it's super popular. And we sat there for about 10 minutes just looking at the components, flipping over the boards, just kind of looking up at each other, being like, I don't even know. And then we, like, called a guy over, and he was like, what's up? We were like, can you teach us this? And he was like, oh, goodness, no. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> that's too much for me to be able to teach you. So we put it away, and we, tr we tried some other things. But for, like, a long time after that, I was very, like, hmm, Agricola is supposed to be super difficult. But then... I was finally, like, looking up some stuff about it yesterday, and I kind of was like, oh, now that I've been playing board games for a lot more longer, I was looking at it, and I was like, oh, it's just like a worker placement game. I like worker placement games. And I looked into it a little bit more, and I was like, oh, okay, it's actually super, once you get into it, it's super straightforward, and it's just a matter of balancing the resources and the options and that sort of stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, awesome. So I finally got a copy yesterday, and I played it with a couple of friends yesterday night, and it was fantastic. The, like, I was explaining it to my friends. I had played it a few times on the, uh, on the uh, app, just so I was more familiar with the mechanics. But when we were playing it yesterday, it was, it was great. I mean, my friends took a little while to get into it, which is, you know, only natural because they were learning it for the first time but by the end of the game everybody was making decisions they all sort of understood what was going on and uh everybody enjoyed it they all said they were like yeah i'd definitely play that again um and the only reason we didn't is because we finished playing it at about 1 30 in the morning <laughs> so we had started around midnight but uh we finished at 1 30 in the morning it was uh it was great i really like playing agricola so i can uh, recommend that for anybody who hasn't played it but i also feel as though i'm behind the you know behind the trend in recommending this would be as if I was like, "Have you guys heard of? Uh, have you guys heard of Mario Kart 64? You should play that game." So, Agricola is one of my favorite board games, if not my favorite board game of all time to play. And I totally understand why you would only play one game in a night. Like it can take three hours to get through it, and especially if it was your first time playing with that group, I could totally understand why. Yeah. Yep, I can imagine that they're going to want to play it again uh, soon, and I'm looking forward to the second game, because now we all kind of know, we're like, oh, these things are more important, these things are better, et cetera, et cetera. So, it's, now, it's good. 
when you played, did you play with just like the board and the actions on the board, or did you play also with the occupation cards? <laughs> no, we did the family mode the first time, which is the one that okay. doesn't have the occupations or the minor improvements. And uh, as I'm explaining it, uh, my friends Ben and Carson, two guys from my uh, from my improv troupe Moist Theater, they said uh, just to plug that very subtly. Um, they were saying there, uh, Carson said, wow, this is, this is pretty complicated. And I said, I know it seems like it's a lot and it's complicated. We're actually doing a slightly less complicated version of the game. So they were like, oh, wow, there's even more. And I was like, there's a lot more, but we're not going to do it. And they were like, that's good. But yeah, I can imagine it would just be like a small change adding in the, uh, the occupations and the, uh, minor improvements there now that we all understand the the basics of the game yeah there's a lot more depth i mean you can play without the cards and it's still a good game and it's complex and there's a lot going on but the cards really add another layer where they give you specific goals to play towards if you mm -hmm. want to that that really enhances the game for me and my friends and i and you can buy like expansions with additional cards some are more serious, some are goofier. There, there's like ones that are made, like they show like I think the developers of the game or they were made by fans of the game. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of different expansions out there. I've tried a few of them. Most of them are fine to play with, mm -hmm. although the base set has plenty of cards, as you've already seen. Yeah, seems like it's going to have more than enough cards to just play the game, you know, forever. <laughs> in a weird way, it reminds me of Papers, Please, in the sense that it's another place where you don't have enough time to do everything you want to do, and a lot of times you're just getting by. That's that's super super true. Like I, I, it was innumerable the amount of times that any of us would get like livestock only to immediately turn them into food, or to go fishing just at the end of the round just so we could feed our families. Um, but it was very much a matter of like, oh, I want to do everything. I can't possibly do everything. So what am I going to do, or what am I going to focus on? And the game certainly does reward diversifying and going for a bunch of different things for livestock, vegetables, grain, expanding your family, etc. But at the same time, a different strategy could potentially be like, okay, I've made my peace with the fact that I'm not going to do any of this. I'm exclusively going to specialize in these other things as well. It seems like there's all sorts of different strategies you can use. Yes, there are. And I'm looking forward to hearing about it more either on air or off about how, how you guys get into the game. Mm -hmm. I've mostly retired from playing at this point. I've just played it so many times, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's still very fondly. I, I remember it in my heart. Cool. Uh, the last thing that I wanted to add before we talk about Earthbound, uh, what I remembered is uh, a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine introduced me to Runbow, which is on the uh, Wii U as a downloadable title. And in Runbow, essentially, which you can actually play with nine players simultaneously, which is just madness. But basically, you run across the stage and you have to jump on platforms and try to get to the trophy at the end. And you can run across the entire stage in like 20 seconds. It's very short. But the neat thing that happens is that there's colors that kind of move across the pathway. And there's different colored platforms as well. And when the background changes to the same color as a platform, then that platform disappears. And you can't actually jump on it or land on it. So when the blue background washes across the screen, all of the blue uh, platforms disappear. And then when the red background washes across, all the red platforms disappear as well. So it's... Uh, kind of got like puzzly sort of aspects but for the most part it's just like an insane multiplayer platforming race which is super fun you know i've actually had a chance to play that oh yeah a friend yeah and it was like we had a big uh video game gathering we were playing on a friend's wii u it was like smash brothers and, mm -hmm. and that came up 
mm-hmm. and I played the mode where it was like eight on one, mm-hmm. where uh, the one person is like drawing in like traps and hazards for the other players, and the other eight people are trying to you know navigate through the level. That was a lot of fun if you can get people together to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't I haven't tried it, but I, I can imagine it would be great. Yeah, if you get the opportunity, yeah, it was good. The regular game was good too. Uh, it's I, I appreciated that they got all like the indie characters in there. Yeah, as soon as I unlocked Shovel Knight, I was like, "Can we go back? I want to play Shovel Knight," <laughs> and that's <laughs> that's what I did for the rest of it. I appreciated the fact that uh, when you made selections of Shovel Knight, it used the same like noises from the game. Did the same thing with like Commander Video. Uh, I didn't know too many of the other characters from the other titles, but as far as I know, they used sounds from those games too, which was cool. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds awesome. Well, you know, I, I would, I think if we got anything else, uh, games wise, we let's, let's bank it and we'll save it for a future week because we're about 20 minutes in and we need to talk about the ending to Earthbound. Yep. So let's bank it and spank it and talk about uh, Earthbound. Take it, Bill. We'll do two of those three things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll do yeah. Two of those three things. Yeah. Okay. So, Earthbound. Uh, so, where we left off, we had finished the eighth My Sanctuary, as far as I know, and we were just ready to start with the final part of the game. That's right. Yes. You go into your mind, you face yourself and your fears, and you get this huge power-up, and you end up back in Saturn Valley, and you find out that you need to save the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Right at the end of the game, they're finally like, by the way this is what you need to do. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. Like, they've mentioned Gygus a bunch of times throughout, but he's never, like, shown up or, like, left you, like, menacing notes or anything. Everybody's just been like, just wait till you meet Gygus, oh boy. And then then you finally go at the end. It felt very, like, obviously you were building towards it, but I was like, they could have done, like, a better job of making him seem more threatening. When I was getting to the end, I was like, I don't even really... I don't know who this guy is or why it's a problem or anything like that. Like, in something like Chrono Trigger, when you're working towards facing off against Lavos, like, they show you. They're like, Lavos destroys the world, right? And he, like, kills everybody, and it's an apocalypse. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I got to stop that from happening. But everybody in the game is just like, just, if Gygus is around, you just, bad stuff will happen. And you're like, well, what? And they're like, well, you know, bad stuff. I think you're right that it was handled a lot more smartly in Chrono Trigger because you're aware of the threat of Lavos, but you don't see Lavos around too much. You're, like, putting out fires in different time eras, but then midway through the game, you get to the Magic Kingdom, and you run into Lavos, and yeah. he kicks your ass yeah, pretty badly. That and that's, and that's pretty cool. Or when you go to the future, you see the computer, like, of what happened in the past or anything. But there's, like, a couple of instances when you're like, whoa, this guy's huge and powerful. we got to get more powerful. The entire time in Earthbound, it was like, well, are we getting more powerful? I mean, clearly you are, but it's like, I don't I don't have anything to compare it to. Yeah, and I think Pokey is meant as a stand-in antagonist to keep things moving for you. And I do think they do a pretty good job of tying Pokey and Gigas together by the end, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think they really fully maximize the evil villain here in the storyline yeah and i mean maybe that wasn't the goal of the game maybe the game was like the goal of the game is just to have have like a fun wacky world in which case you know they they achieve that but uh just in terms of like storytelling or building up to the ending you know that's probably what i would have liked to see a little bit more of (coughs) excuse me sorry (coughs) yeah me too (laughs) i think i have a case of the black lung uh when you get back to you got to go back to on it because you got to get the uh piece of the meteorite 
My yep. God, I died so many times with those Ghosts of Starmen. So many times until I went online and figured out that Pooh can revive people. He's got, like, <laughs> life up or healing Omega that can bring people back. And I was like, I, how long has he had that for? <laughs> I was like, I kept, like, Jeff would die or something. And I was like, well, I don't want to walk around with Jeff dead, so I'd restart. And it kept happening. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to And then I figured that out by looking up information. So that is I, – I think I told you earlier. I was like, man, I'm getting frustrated with this. As soon as I figured that out, I breezed through that whole area. I was surprised. Yeah, I thought at, after all that grinding, you wouldn't have too much trouble with the random encounters anymore, to be honest. But yeah. I took, I, yeah, I, I, I was like, wow, it must have just been a bad break or a bad series of breaks. Yeah, just a bad time. Um, anyway, you get the uh, you get the meteorite, you go back and you get into mm-hmm. the phase distorter. and uh, Because the first one was stolen. This is actually, you're using the second phase distorter. The first one got taken by Pokey. Oh, was it? I must have missed that detail. Uh, it was taken by Pokey and used. Is that covered a little bit earlier? I, I probably just forget. Yeah, yeah. That's what necessitates you getting the meteorite, is that the first one got taken away. They're like, oh, we built a prototype, but Pokey came and took it. So uh, you have to go get another one. Right. I get you. Um, well, then we do that, and you get there. And then there's the weird part where they're like, Gygus is actually in the past. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. And they're like, but you can't go back to the past. You have to be a robot to do it. <laughs> it was like yeah, you have to die. Yeah, and have your soul implanted into a robot. Yeah, to go back in time. Yeah, so that to stop the ultimate evil before it can be born. Yeah, I guess. I I guess. Um, but it's they were like they introduced that so late in the game they could have eliminated that fact in its entirety and nothing would be different about the game. Like, they could have just let you go back as you are in your character and walk back. I have no idea why they made you turn into robots and go back. Maybe because they're like, hey, that'll be hilarious right at the game, right at the end of the game, if we make all the characters turn into robots. Kids like robots. Let's do that. That Other than that, I can't think of any reason why that was important to include. Yeah, I'm not sure where they were going with that. It's a very strange turn for the game to take, and it raises... A lot of weird philosophical questions. <laughs> yeah, that's maybe that's what they wanted. They were like, hey, we're uh, short on our philosophical dilemma quota over here. Maybe we should toss a few of those in right at the end. Like, uh, I don't know if you've had the chance to... You probably haven't played Soma, but have you heard of the game Soma? No, I've heard of the drug that's used in Brave New World, also called Soma. But outside of that, no. Well, other than the name, Soma has no uh, common link between the drug and Brave New Worlds. Okay. And a video game. Okay. And it's a game that explores the issue of consciousness and like what it means to be human. And it's the philosophical issue. If you have a boat and you take the boat apart board by board and replace it with all new boards, mm. is the same boat now? Okay, and so in the game, you just have a boat, you just replace it board by board, and then the screen goes black, and they're like, well, is that the yes, game? Yes, uh, other than the part about the boat, <laughs> that's exactly what Soma is like. Oh, okay, I see. But, and just in this case, though, it, it made me think of that, because, I mean, are you really the same person now if you're put into a robot, and are you the same person if you get put back? Like, what is consciousness exactly? I apparently, according to Earthbound, it's a tiny glowing white orb that comes out of the center of your chest, goes into the robot, and then goes out of the robot back into your chest. 
That's all you are. Fair enough. <laughs> Thank you, Earthbound. Thank you, Earthbound. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, so you go through and you fight all the stuff with the robots. That that part was uh, <clears throat> pretty straightforward. Um, yeah. I uh, when I got to Gygus at the end, Pokey shows up and Pokey's uh, fine. Uh, you you defeat Pokey, he's easy, and then uh, you start fighting Gygus, and it gets to the point when Pokey says something like, why don't you try calling for your friends? They're not going to help you. Ha, ha, ha. It, and you're like, well, that's what I'm going to do. But then I thought initially, I was like, oh, maybe everybody gains the ability to like call out for their friends because Pokey specifically addresses Ness. He says, Ness, I know you're, you've got like psychic powers. Try reaching out to your friends, to your mommy and daddy. Uh, Ness can't do that. It's only Paula who can pray and do what you need to do to defeat Gygus at the end, which I found so odd. Paula is the most important character at the end of the game. Jeff doesn't do anything. Pooh's basic only like use is keeping Paula alive, and that's the same thing as Ness as well. It's pretty much it all comes down to keeping Paula alive at the end of the game, and I thought that was so odd, especially because Paula sucks <laughs> at the end. <laughs> like, she's garbage. And I had to restart a bunch of times because she kept dying and I didn't have enough stuff to revive her with. And I made the, sh the, the dumb mistake of giving Pooh all of the uh, life up, whatever it was, the thing that revives people. And he can also revive people with his psi powers as well. So when he died, I was screwed. <laughs> like, I didn't have anything. And you'd think I would have learned my lesson after having that happen once. But no, I did that a couple more times. <laughs> until finally I was like, why don't I give Ness some of those items? And then he can revive Paula. And then I, then I was finally successful. But it seems so odd. I would think maybe, like, all four of the different characters would be able to call for their own individual friends... And you could do that a bunch of different times. That would be more climactic. Instead of putting all the focus onto Paula at the end, which was just so frustrating. And it was like, well, who's Ness, really, at this point? Ness is just, like, escorting Paula to the end. But, it, anyway. It's a really strange... Excuse me. It's a really strange choice on their part. I, I know that they were trying to say something significant within the limited means of like an RPG battle system. Okay. And just for those who are not aware, who have not played this fight or aren't familiar, so of your characters, only Paula has this one command called prayer. And it just says like when you do it, Paula sends out a prayer and it'll have various random effects, but most of them aren't very good. It'll be like a slight hit point boost. It'll be a slight MP boost. It'll do nothing. And it's roughly equivalent to like Magikarp's splash attack a lot of the time in terms of <laughs> overall effectiveness. <laughs> right. So when you get to this point in the game, when Pokey is saying you have to talk to your friends, that's like the game's way of telling you Paula has to use the prayer command over and over again. And every time she does, it starts out doing like five points of damage. But then like it'll keep doubling and going up and then like by the end it's doing like 30,000 points of damage but you have to do it of course like nine times in a row mm -hmm. and keep her alive the whole time continually using the prayer command and every time you do it it says like Ness thinks about his friends like the runaway five and then it'll cut away to the runaway five and they're like oh they're thinking of you too and they're giving you their help <laughs> yep. it, it's, it's very much like when Goku does the spirit bomb in Dragon Ball and, like, everyone's got to, like, help out and give a, so a little bit of their energy to the spirit bomb so he can throw it 
and beat the evil bad guy, even though the spirit bomb doesn't work too often. <laughs> we'll lend our power to this thing. It's guaranteed to work, but it do it doesn't work. It doesn't work all the time. Well, we'll do it anyway. Yeah, I thought exactly. that I thought that was so weird. And another weird thing is that Paul is praying. She's like, "Someone's got to help us." And then you see all these other characters gathered around, and they're like, "Hmm." Let's think about Ness. You know, it's not like yeah. they're like, we're getting something from Paula. It's like, no, hey, remember Ness? And just the fact that they're all hanging around and thinking about Ness, that slowly does more damage to Gygus. And I don't really understand why that's helping, too. I mean, just the fact that these people are gathered around and they're, like, in support or they're lending, you know, their thoughts towards the party. I have no idea why that's impacting Gygus as well. Like, everybody together being like, mm, you better. I don't know why Gygus is, he's, like, immensely powerful, or so the game tells us, even though in, in you know, in practicality, he doesn't seem that powerful. Um, it's just odd, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and I'm not quite sure either what the intended effect of the people thinking of you causing harm to Gygus was. Mm -hmm. I, I, like, they're definitely going for something there, because, you know, it's like they've got the the weird distorted graphics in the background. They've got the very odd music. They've got like haunted faces appearing and it. it's like, you can't comprehend Gigas's attacks. Yeah. And, and uh, that, that's their way of trying to show. It's like a supernatural entity. Yeah, that's, that's true. And that more often than not, all that, all that I could comprehend is that it killed Paula. So that's, <laughs> oh, that's what it was. It was like, it was like, Ness takes 66 damage. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Paula got hurt and collapsed. <laughs> I was like, Paula, you gotta, she's got like 300 HP at this point. And I'm like, she keeps getting killed. And at this point, the, at least the, what they're going for here is that Pokey has, so up through the game, you're hearing like how Gigas is coming, Gigas is coming. And then Pokey has taken over and harnessed that evil power and, is trying to use it. And so when you beat Pokey, it's out of control. It's like this uncontrollable, unknowable evil is existing at like the beginning of time. And it says weird things to you. It's like, it's making strange comments and it's led to some interesting like fan theories about what's going on. And basically it comes down to this. The writer of the game, Itoi, when he was a little boy, he like, walked in on an R-rated movie at a theater. And the scene that was going on was like, a, I think it was just like a mugging. Okay. Some people have said it was a rape scene. It was not a rape scene. It was just like he thought he was seeing some, it was seeing like a woman mugged. And it really was scarring for him at this young age where he couldn't fully understand what was happening. Like, you know, how it is for a lot of like little kids or for you and I where we like didn't have the faculties to comprehend something we saw. And he was trying to impart that feeling to this fight of like an unknowable thing that you're seeing of of horror and i don't know if it succeeded but i think it was a valiant effort given the platform yeah it seems i mean you can't see the enemy all you can see is like the background and it kind of looks like a hazy demon face and the more you attack it the more like intense its movements get and to the point when it's like flashing and really really rapidly moving uh so i guess given the technology it's it is doing an okay job of demonstrating like an unknowable horror. It's just now, 20 years later, it just kind of looks silly. And I also did take note of one typo in the otherwise very strong localization. Paula prayed from bottom of her heart. Well, that's where I pray from, from bottom. Oh. <laughs> so maybe it's just you don't, you don't pray from bottom. 
you probably yeah, pray from top or something. It, yeah, it's just like a what we don't have that phrase in Western New York. So I okay, I get I get it. I understand. Yeah, my my bad. Yeah. Uh, so you beat up Gygus, and then yep. your souls return from robots back to people. Um, and and in a nice touch too, when you're uh, beating, when you're doing the final beat down, there's like static breaking in mm-hmm. that's like disrupting everything, just like in the intro to the game. Yes, yes, there is. I didn't make that connection, but now that you pointed out, you're right. Boom. Boom. But yes, uh, sorry, yeah, your your souls return to your bodies. Yeah, so you come back to the end, and then you're just kind of standing around, and then Pooh's like, well, I gotta go, bye, and then he leaves, and then Jeff comes up and does something that looks like he kisses you and Paula, or Ness and Paula, on each cheek, and then he says, I'm gonna stay here with uh, with Dr. Andonuts, who's his dad. I don't know what he says and say, like, I'm going to stay here with dad. He's like, no, I'm going to stay here with Dr. Andonuts. Um, and then uh, you have to escort Paula back to her house, uh, which, by the way, took me a long time to figure out where that was. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just walking around all over the place being like, where the hell did I get her? I don't even know. But I found her eventually. And then you walk Ness back to his house and you talk to your mom, and you tell her all about your adventures, and that's that's where it ends. Yeah, uh, it's kind of an interesting ending when your party just kind of leaves. You don't. Yep. I mean, most times you'll see like an epilogue where you can check up on people, and you can't do that with like NPCs in the world. You can like before you go and take Paula home, you can like just go to different parts of the world and check in on people, and they may have changed, and they may say something different than they said before. Mm-hmm. And I think you can take Paula to meet your mom too. Oh, can you? Well, I did, yes. I I did not try to do that. I was I was like I gotta get her home. I wasn't like I'm gonna take her around and show her some stuff. <laughs> it's eight thirty on a school night. She needs to go home. She's gotta go home. Yeah. She's past curfew. She'll get grounded if you don't take her home. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then there was one funny thing too, like the credits roll and roll. And then at the end, I got another call from Ness's dad. Yeah, you did. Asking if I wanted to take a break. <laughs> at the end of the credits? I didn't get that. Yes. That's funny. Yeah. Is it just because you had been playing long enough for the game to automatically put out the, hey, you've been playing a long time message? Do you think that's why it happened? I think it was just that. Yeah, that's, I think so. That's pretty funny though. You're, you're like, and now my adventure is complete. Ring, ring. Hey, it's your dad. Uh, you've been playing for a while. You want to take a break? You're like, well, I've <laughs> done the game, so I guess so. Oh, you like to work hard like your dad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then there's the epilogue. You saw the epilogue scene when uh, you wake up in the middle of the night? Oh, yeah. Oh, that that's when I got the call, yeah. That's when you got the call in the epilogue scene? I guess that's when it yeah. would be because you retain control of Ness at that point. So that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. And so yeah, you get the, you get the, you find out about the possibility of a sequel. Pokey's still out there. Dun dun dun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there is a sequel. There there is. So Earthbound is technically known as Mother Two in Japan. Mm-hmm. And then the game Earthbound Beginnings was Mother in Japan. So there is a Mother Three that's been released. So well, good. Just FYI. We'll keep that in mind for the future. So uh, overall assessment of the game now that it's totally done uh your overall feelings on the game well uh after 45 hours <laughs> i think you know <laughs> earthbound is a, an ambitious game that you'll definitely have to judge like against the standards of when it was released as video games age you know we're more frequently being asked to evaluate them based on the limitations in place during that era and that's already mm-hmm. a challenge present in other forms of media but we just don't 
we don't consume video games the same way we do like books or movies or music. They're they're more like <laughs> I'm gonna have to repeat that. Sure. We don't cons- we don't consume video games in the same way as like movies or music. They're more like books in that they're they need a sort of a translation. There's a certain language that's special only to that era that's not easy to bring forward into the contemporary time that you live in. I mean, you, you see that, I mean, most obviously with stuff like Shakespeare, where if you actually sat down and tried to read Shakespeare as intended, it would be very, very difficult, if not impossible. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just don't know if games are necessarily meant to be played like this. I feel like you need modernization. You need updates. You need something to help you to make it more accessible. Mm-hmm. I think there are lessons to be learned having played Earthbound, and it's got a very distinctive charm that's enduring, and I, I know its fans love it very much. I would recommend that, unless you're curious about this to a very large extent, you just leave it in the past. You you can watch some clips on YouTube, you can hear about us talk about it, but don't necessarily seek it out for yourself. <laughs> Um, I'd, I'd probably agree with, uh, with those sentiments. I mean, it, it certainly has a charm, um, and it's certainly very creative. I found a lot of the times myself becoming frustrated with some components more than I would prefer. Uh, something that comes to mind is just moving items around in the inventory. It only really lets you do it one at a time, and then you have to open up the whole inventory again and everything like that. I found that unnecessarily unnecessary. You know, it was... It was brutal. Yeah. That was that was unfortunate. Uh, I thought that the ATM aspect was kind of cool, but the fact that you would get money in the ATM, then you would need to withdraw it and then deposit it back, I thought that was like an unnecessary, unnecessary step there. Um, some of the uh, some of the actual maps that you're in, it all looks like unique and different. But I thought some of the like just the the orientation of some of it, I thought was a little bit odd. Um, and uh, I thought that some of the goals in the game were not clear enough. I remember there being a number of times when I just could not figure out what I was supposed to do, um, which is maybe that was, you know, an intention of the of the developers. They were like, they're going to need to explore and figure stuff out, which is which is fine. I mean, I didn't sit down with the game thinking that I was going to go around and explore and find every single person and everything like that. And I mean, maybe I lost something because I didn't go around trying to interact with every single thing in the game that I possibly could. Um, but, uh, there, like, there were some, some odd things about it that, uh, I think it's, I think it's good. I think that it's, it's well made and everything like that. It certainly has a charm. Um, but I do think that there's other better examples of RPGs. Like I mentioned before, Chrono Trigger came out on the same system, um, around the same time. And Chrono Trigger has more of an enduring legacy to me. Um, I mean, the characters, I think, are more fully realized. The, the, the challenges that you face as a group are more fully realized. The battle system, I think, is a little bit better. Um, like, there's, there's lots of reasons why I think it's a little bit better. So, uh, I, I enjoyed Earthbound, but there were a lot of frustrations that I had with it. And like you said, Bill, that's probably more due to the fact that it's 20 years old. Um, so, overall... I had an I had an okay time with it, but uh, it wasn't as great as perhaps maybe the hype was uh, painting it out to be. But then again, I mean, maybe that was part of the issue as well. Is I kept hearing like Earthbound, 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 like oh you got to play it. And then when I was playing, I was just like, meh, meh. And now I don't want to turn this into just an Undertale podcast, but I do think it's relevant to talk about Undertale. Here. Yeah, let's talk about Undertale. Um, so Undertale is a game that was released in the past. <laughs> 
So uh, the thing with Undertale is I, I think a lot of people really, really like that game, mm-hmm. and they want other people they know to play that game. Mm. And sometimes they're a bit pushy or insistent on getting people to play that game, which turns into resentment when it's not the greatest game ever made. Because it's not. It's a really good game, but it's not perfect. And there are certainly things about it that could be potentially improved. Yeah. And just I think it's about setting expectations and allowing people to explore these games on their own terms. I think part of it is that when people discovered Undertale, it was so unknown. I mean, there was nothing nothing out there about it being Mm -hmm. in the press or like anything i was aware of in terms of like listening to multiple podcasts and twitter and stuff Mm -hmm. before it came out it's only afterward that people are like hey this game is pretty fun you should try it Mm -hmm. and then those people become like emissaries they're they're going out and trying to convert new people to the game cause and you know you see all the art on like tumblr on like deviant art on video game forums and it's kind of become omnipresent on GameFAQs, they voted Undertale the greatest game of all time. What? Wow, really? My goodness. Yes. Uh, I love Undertale. And I mean, we both we both ranked it as the greatest game of 2015, or at least in our experiences. Um, having not played, like, <laughs> a lot of the games that came out, we both really liked it, our favorite game of 2015. But I don't know if I would be so quick as to say it's my favorite game of all time. And just this fact, though, in this discussion and seeing, like, people review Undertale. Like, I listened to a lot of the Giant Bomb Game of the Year podcasts recently. Mm -hmm. And Undertale comes up a fair bit because people did like playing it. Mm -hmm. And the thing that they kept coming back to was that we like the game. The fandom is a bit much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, hey, that makes sense. (laughs) The fandom is a little bit much. Um, but, it, uh, I mean, I haven't really seen too much as far as I know, I'm the biggest fan in my area. So it just, uh, makes me think though, that, you know, games are tied to a time and place. They're tied to who you can discuss this game with. I mean, if I wasn't talking about Earthbound with you, I would have stopped playing after like five hours, probably. Yeah. I, I, I can imagine that I probably would have as well. And perhaps that's why it took us so long to actually finish it as well. Because we were playing it for a little bit, and then it just, there was just not, it wasn't compelling enough for us to want to keep playing. So it's actually kind of interesting that we held ourselves to completing this game. Um, well, I, I think, you know, it. I mean, we're not professionals here, but I did want to see it through. I was curious to see it through to the end, and I'm, I'm glad that I did, even if I didn't always enjoy the act of getting to this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I would love to do this again, uh, not necessarily with this type of game, although I do think that Mother 3 would be a logical step. If there's another game we could think to explore, that would be something we have to look at, I think. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I've been looking on uh, some website forums. There's a game that came out, I think, in September last year? Under something. You fight some skeletons or something like that. But anyway, a lot of people seem to really, really like it. Huh. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, it must have been made by like a team of people. Doesn't it's probably doesn't look what? like that. It looks like it was maybe like one guy, maybe one guy and a girl, something like that. Oh. Okay. Well, I don't know. Send me a link, and maybe we, we'll talk about it off air and see if there's see if there's anything, anything there. Worth... Yeah. <laughs> Good. So uh, overall, Earthbound. Uh, well, it was an experience, and I mean, I, I'm certain we're perhaps setting ourselves up for. Uh, vicious rebuttals from Earthbound fanatics, but uh, it was uh, it was good, but not great. Yes. 
So with that, uh, I think that brings us to the end of another episode of So Many Bits. We can be reached by email at so many bits podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at So Many Bits. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at So Many Bits. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or listen to excuse me or listen to us on SoundCloud. And last but not least, please check out the rest of the Second Wind Collective for other podcasts. Support independent art, the spirit of Delphi.